Hello, hello, and welcome to The Fruitful Life with Andrea Thompson. This is episode number 11. So the last episode, we talked about the priesthood and how Jesus Christ is now the high priest, that he is now the mediator of the new covenant, understanding the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant being of great importance uh, and value to a child of God, because it's important that you understand your identity and the things that you have been freely given. Thank the Lord. Um, We talked a little bit about Hebrews is chocked full, the book of Hebrews. And so I am going to probably have to do some in-depth teachings on the Facebook page. Um, Those will also go live on YouTube. Um, And so if you're not already following the Facebook page or the YouTube, that's where you're going to get your more in-depth teaching. These podcasts are more of like 22 to 30 minutes long. So they are a quick overview. Uh, But if you want to know more, definitely check that out. Um, They're both under the same name as the podcast, The Fruitful Life. So you can find those. But today we're going to be in Hebrews again, um, but we're going to keep going here in Hebrews. uh, Let's see. Chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Um, Now, interestingly enough, this is actually talking about holding fast to your confession. This has a lot to do with faith. It has a lot to do with continuing in a uh, sinless life. Um, Again, this isn't about um, not messing up per se, because again, um, practically, uh, we are not perfect. Again, positionally, we have been made perfect in Christ Jesus, praise the Lord. But this is about not going back to the life we were delivered out of, right? It's, it's, as a people of God, this is why it's important that we continue to progress in our walk, because that is the design of God, that we continue to look forward. Something that will really help you to understand this concept is understanding the concept of the kingdom of God, um, which Jesus talks about everywhere in the Gospels. Uh, Yes, he came to save us and set us free from our sins and so on and so forth. But a main point that Jesus made in the Gospels is that he came to bring the kingdom. And of course, the kingdom is not in its fullness just yet. It will be when he returns on the white horse, hallelujah, and splits that sky with the armies of heaven and so on and so forth. But the kingdom is right now within within us. And we are to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And so again, a big part of that is understanding how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you really have to grow in your faith. You have to operate in the design of God. And the design of God is that you hold fast to your confession. Now, you remember in Romans, it says uh, to um, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, a lot of people use that and they they really do minimize the, the depth of that scripture. So many people who really aren't saved, and this is not against them, want to use that scripture to say, oh, well, all you have to do is confess with your mouth. That was not the purpose of that scripture. The reason that that scripture first says, believe with your heart and then confess with your mouth is because believe, true belief in Jesus Christ is a heart matter. It is not a mind matter. You can believe all kinds of things with your mind and have no action or transformation behind that very belief. You know, it's like I can believe that a plane uh, is designed to fly me from one place to another. But until I actually get in the plane, like where does my belief really lie? You know, it, it's that kind of concept. It's 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 understanding a, a principle of something, but then actually walking in is, is a whole different thing. And so believe with your heart, confess with your mouth. Confess with your mouth is the outflow. The confession is the outflow of the heart change. 
that's really what that's representative of. It really was not supposed to ever be a minimized verse of that you can just profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and 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 everything is good. We know that that can't possibly be true because there are scriptures in the gospels where Jesus Christ himself says that people will say to him in the end, Lord, Lord, with their mouth, They'll say, we did this, we did this, and we did this in your name. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Right? And so we we have to understand that the scripture has depth to it. And I would encourage you, again, to move from being a reader of the word to a studier of the word. And it does take time, but it takes effort more than anything. God is a God who likes to be sought. The Bible says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right. And so it's important that you become a person who seeks him in his word that takes effort and diligence, which, again, diligence is not vain repetition. It is strong desire followed by an action. Strong desire that moves you to want to know more about the one true God. Okay, so I want you to understand what Hebrews is talking about here. And so in verse 19, it says, therefore, brethren. Now, mind you, it just got done talking about Jesus Christ's death and his his sacrifice being what makes us perfect. So uh, verse 14 is where we landed in the last podcast podcast episode about being made perfect forever, where it says, for by one offering, he, Jesus Christ, has perfected forever those, which would be us, who are being sanctified. Okay. So whenever you see a therefore, where we're at down in verse 19, it's actually linked to what is above. But because that was a part of the last podcast, we're just going to go into it. But just so you know, um, whenever you see that, therefore, you definitely need to understand what came before it. Okay. So if you are listening to this episode and you haven't listened to episode number 10, I would encourage you to go to that one first. So this one says, therefore, brethren. So again, brethren is a term used for the church. We know that this book was written to a church, church people, uh, the body of Christ, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So it's talking about the holy of holies, which again, in the, the old tabernacle in the old Testament, the Holy of Holies was cut off by a very thick curtain and only, and it is where the presence of God, the fullness of the presence of God resided to speak to the people, not the people, I'm sorry, to speak to the high priest. And the high priest in the Old Testament was the only one after a bunch of things that they had to go through, the only one that was able to enter into the Holy of Holies. And even in doing that, because he was going to enter into the fullness of the presence of God, it was very well possible that he could die. Like they used to have bells on them and everything so that they could know if, if, if they died in there. Because again, walking into the presence of a holy God in sinful flesh is, 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 I don't even have words for it. Like, I think people need to come to understand, and this is why we need the fear of the Lord, the reverence of his holiness. This is a big piece of what the church is missing. We have to understand his holiness because we still need to approach him in that way, not in fear that we're going to die because hallelujah in the new covenant, because of Christ's sacrifice, we're able to boldly approach. We're able to have full assurance because we stand in him. But how, again, I said this in the last podcast, how will we we really come to value that if we don't understand in the Old Testament the amount of things that they had to go through in order to even go walk beyond that veil? 
right? We need to understand that. We need to understand that they reverenced God's presence in such a way that I think modern day society does not even understand. And so it's a balance. It is a balance. We also are to see him as a heavenly father. And yes, that is a beautiful piece of his heart. So don't hear me wrong. It's not all about reverence, but it that is a major part of his character and a big part of the puzzle that we're missing. So this says having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Okay. So by his sacrifice, by a new and living way, which he, Jesus consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So we know that when Jesus Christ said it is finished at the cross, one of the things that happened was the veil in the temple was literally torn in two from top to bottom. That was a supernatural situation because that veil, from what I understand, was thick. I'm talking about thick and nobody touched it physically and it tore from top to bottom, representative of what Jesus just did in the realm of the spirit. Thank the Lord. He literally tore the veil so that anyone that has put their trust in Jesus Christ, right, and has turned their life around and and, and is walking for the Lord, that they would be able to enter into the Holy of Holies in boldness right? And so it says, which he consecrated us through the veil, that is his flesh. His flesh was torn for us, y'all. And having a high priest over the house of God, okay, so this is talking about the house of God in the heavenlies, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. I want to tag that and and have you all do some, some studying on what a full assurance of faith is. Having our hearts Hear this, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. If you listen to the last podcast episode, I mentioned how uh, in scripture uh, before this, it talked about because of Jesus' sacrifice, because it was perfect, unlike what was happening in the Old Testament, it's able to save us to the uttermost, the innermost being, which is the conscience. Okay, so it is able to cleanse our conscience from all evil. Okay, and our bodies washed with pure water. 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So this tells me that we need to understand God's faithfulness. Because again, I said it in the last episode, he's a covenant keeping God. And not only is he a covenant keeping God, but he purposefully made this covenant with an oath. And with things that cannot, like they cannot be changed because he's not a man that he should lie. This is not two human beings who are imperfect doing a business deal and making a covenant between them. This is God himself, God Almighty making a covenant. Okay. And this is something that we need to understand. It is what will help us not only to remain faithful to him, okay, but to have patience, to inherit the promises and to hold fast our confession of hope without wavering. We are supposed to be a people who do not waver. The book of James talks about um, having asking for wisdom. But if we are to do that, God will absolutely give it to us. But it said, ask without doubt, because it, it talked about double mindedness and said a double minded man is unstable in all his ways, tossed to and fro like like the waves of the of the sea. And a lot of Christians are like that. I've been there. I've been there and that's, that's, it happens, especially if you're a new believer, but it's definitely not where you're supposed to stay. Christianity and maturity of a believer should be taking you to a solid ground place where you do not waver. 
right? Where there's no more, well, I'm not sure, doubt or any of that, where you become a person who takes God at his word, period. Even if you don't see the fulfillment of the promises in this life, you know that he is faithful, right? And that's what a lot of Hebrews uh, 11 is about, which we're not necessarily going to get into. But it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching, meaning the day of the Lord when he returns. Part of what we are to do for each other as brethren in Christ uh, is to stir one another up to love and good works, right? Remind each other that he's faithful. Remind each other of the promises of God. Remind each other of the word of God. Because I, I literally, I have no idea how anyone is surviving without the word of God especially in this day and age with the the world in which we're living in. And, and, and hear me, there's nothing new under the sun. Hallelujah. Like Bible days with Sodom and Gomorrah. We're living in a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, we really are. So no, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and for God, you know, it's like he's seen it all, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, how is anybody living without the Lord? I really don't even know, you know? And so again, it's important that we stir each other up. Now, this is getting ready to go into uh, talking about sin. Verse 26, for if we sin willfully after, okay, and this is what I want people to understand. When the Bible is talking about that you've been saved already, okay, and it talks about sinning, what it's talking about most times is sinning willfully or practicing sin. So what that means is you know what you're doing and you continue to do it and you're not convicted and or you just repent and keep doing it like there's no changed behavior okay we're not talking about maybe a struggle that you have and you're seeking everything you possibly can in order to get that handled and fixed because your desire the desire of your heart is to be pleasing to God not talking about that okay i'm talking about how many christians profess out of their mouth that they're christians but yet there's no transformation and this is not in judgments of them. A lot of that has to do with the, the church not doing what they're supposed to be doing, the lack of discipleship. And I could go on and on and on. But what I want you to understand is believing in Christ, receiving the free gift of salvation, being justified by the finished work of the cross. It's all a place in which you will be transformed. Your desires will change. All of these things will happen. And if they're not happening and you're continuing to live in willful practiced sin, something's not right. Either you're not truly saved or, or again, you need to get it together because this is not, this is not a game whatsoever. And this is what it's, it's telling you, but it also encourages you at the same time. So, so hear it for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses's law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So that's talking about Old Testament verse 29 of how much more worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled hear this guys like let this convict your heart who has trampled the son of God underfoot counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. Like this is what it's saying you're doing if you're claiming to be saved and you just continue in sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in our lives. 
He literally removed sin for us by becoming sin, the Bible says, so that we could become the righteousness of God. So this lie that has been perpetrated amongst Christians and even some amongst the church has got to go where it's saying I can live any old kind of way I want to and have my ticket to heaven and I'm saved. That is a lie from the pits of hell. It just is plain as day. And I'm telling you, if you know people like this, if they're in your family or they're in your church or your pastor is saying it like y'all, I'm trying to tell you, start telling people that's not the word of God. But a big part of it is that people have not been raised in the church to read the word of God for themselves and to become studiers of the word. They've also not been taught that we go from the, the free gift of salvation to becoming a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's in the discipleship that you become mature and where you lose your life to gain it. Okay, so this is not a game. Verse 30 says, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, verse 32, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, meaning after you were brought to the light, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. So whoever is writing this book is writing to church people in that day, reminding them, that informate. So clearly they are starting to fall away from the faith, which the Bible warns us can happen to anyone. And so this person is very clearly now after rebuking them and really helping to explain to them what, after having the knowledge of truth, going back to willful and practice sin does. But now they're saying, recall the former days when you, when you first came to Christ, right? It says you were willing to endure the great struggles and the sufferings, right? For these particular reasons, some, some for yourself, but also some, because you were, you were walking with others who were, who were going through these things, right? And it says, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, meaning your, your, your possessions, right? Knowing, why did they do that? Why would you joyfully accept the plundering of your goods? It says, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. This is a mark of the true saints of God, that we do not look at the temporary things of this world, but we look to the things that are kept in heaven for us, First Peter says, undefiled, uncorrupted, of an inheritance, of possessions in heaven that no one can touch, right? And so, yeah, we mature in this kind of mindset over time, but if you don't meditate on the word of God, you're, you're not gonna get there, right? Now, don't hear me wrong, doesn't mean that you can't enjoy particular things that God has given you while on this earth. I have an apartment. I have a bed. I have a couple of TVs. I have, you know, these are things that doesn't mean that I can't have those things. It just means that my, my heart, my mind, my soul, my being is not rooted in those things. And if and when God ever asks them from me, or if and when something happens that takes them away, I'm not looking unto those things. I'm looking unto the things in heaven of where I have a better and greater possession. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. 
So this tells me back to where we started in verse 19. It said, hold fast to the confession. Confession is directly linked to confidence and confidence is directly linked to trust in God. Trust is a major piece of the puzzle of what you must have, not only to be a child of God, but to endure till the end, to produce endurance, right? Okay, trust is also something that builds the secret place with God, that place in secret in which you have with your heavenly father, where you pray and you and you worship and you sit at his feet and so on and so forth. You can't build that or cultivate that place between you and the Lord without trust. Okay, so it says, do not cast away your confidence. Hear this, guys, which has great reward. Another mindset of a true saint of God is that you understand that many things that we do in this life, when we do them solely for the pleasing of our heavenly father, not for the praises of men, because the Bible says that if you do it for the praises of men, for the looks of men, for the purpose of self, right, you have your reward already. You do. You have your reward already. You will not be rewarded in heaven for anything that you did outside of wanting to be pleasing to God. It's everywhere in the gospels, okay? So it says, for you will have great reward. Thank you, Lord. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So this person is very clearly exhorting this, these people in this church to say, friends, you need endurance. He's stirring them up. Whoever the writer is, is stirring them up to say, you have need of endurance because you have to endure in order to receive the fullness of the promise. It says, after you do the will of God, you will receive the promise. And one of the places in scripture, there's a few of them that talks about what the will of God is. And I'm not talking about the will of God for each individual's life because we all have a calling and a purpose that is different from each other. But the, the generality of the will of God, there's only a few scriptures that say the will of God is this. One of those is that I think it's in first or second Thessalonians. It says the will of God is that you be sanctified. Okay. And so it says you have need of endurance. So verse 37, for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Praise the Lord that Jesus Christ is coming back for us. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. Okay, that is something we should be living by as saints and children of God. We should be living by faith. The just are those who have been justified by the finished work of the cross. It says, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Okay. So again, a lot of Hebrews is warning the church, the brethren, the body of Christ, that it is very well possible to begin to lose your confidence, to lose your confession, to lose your endurance, to begin to subtly fall away and draw back that's why I've told you over and over again, if you've sat under my teachings for any amount of time, whether via this podcast or, or via the, the in-depth teachings, that, that Satan is always going to continue to try to have us to subtly draw back. Whether it's one little sin here that's unconfessed or, or, you know, we've made our way into some sort of pattern or whatever it is, guys, it's not worth losing the promises of God. It's not worth drawing back to perdition. 
Okay. Saints should never be people who draw back again. Jesus Christ said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. This is a forward motion. Okay. This is a progression. This is why I I have a whole teaching on the Facebook page, the fruitful life about the biblical progression of faith, because we are to be progressing period. Stagnancy is death for a Christian. It just is. Now I know there's seasons of life and things happen and praise God for his long suffering, his grace and his mercy. Right. But, but you have to understand the design of God. It's important that you understand that design and you walk in that design. Okay. So praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. So heavenly father, I just thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, God, that, that, that through these teachings, God, whether they're short or whether they're long, uh, God, that, that you are building an army. You are building a bride made ready for her husband, God, that people need to come to know the truth of your word, of who we are designed to be in you, of, again, the gift of salvation and everything that that entails, Lord, that we are not a people that draw back, but we continue to press forward to the upward prize. Paul himself said, I press forward to the upward prize of Christ. He said, I lay hold of that which Uh, for which Christ lay hold of me. That God, yes, it's beautiful that salvation is a free gift and there is nothing we could have done to earn it. But God, I pray that we would become a people that would understand so great a salvation, so much so that we respond to it in the way in which you intended which is to say, what kind of love is this that we should be called children of God, that we should be washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ, in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and God, that we would respond with a life laid down to become a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Oh God, I pray that people that are sitting under the sound of my voice, God, would come to know you and would be stirred up in their innermost being to want to know how to walk this out and how to be pleasing to you. And as we just read, God, how to endure so that after they have done the will of God for their lives, that they would receive the promise. And Father, of course, above all else, I land in a place of blessing you and you alone. I bless your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.